Good evening, Restore. How are you? Good. It is freezing, um, which Sam likes, but I do not. Um, yeah, so welcome to winter, by the way, because that happened this week. I feel like it was warm when we were here. Anyway, uh, it's great to be with you again. Um, we're going to be looking at God's Word in a bit of a different way tonight. And I was just thinking, you know, as Sam said that, it's such a privilege to be able to open a book that is readily available to every single person in this room, and we can actually read about God and His plan for us. It's just awesome. So please be doing that in your week. It's such an awesome opportunity. Now today, uh, as you might be following, we are going through John. It was up there, but it's disappeared. That's okay. Um, we're going through John, and we're up to the point in John, the most crucial part in John. There we go. Um, I like that screen so much better. Um, crucial part in John, right? And it's actually not the most crucial part in John. It's the most crucial part in the whole Bible. God's salvation story, right from the very beginning, in Genesis, with Adam and Eve, and then sin, all the way up to here, thousands of years, this is the penultimate moment. This moment. The most important moment. So where are we at in the story, if you haven't been here? Jesus, God himself, in the flesh, has been arrested. The police have come. He's been charged. He's gone to court. And Pilate, the judge, the magistrate, has said, you did nothing wrong. Go free. But the people are not happy, so he does get sentenced to death anyway, even though he didn't do anything wrong. He's been sentenced to death, and last week we looked at how he is obedient to the cross and to death. Even though he's done nothing wrong, he obeys, he goes, and he dies. He knows, Jesus knows, that God's salvation plan is coming to its most important moment, and he cries, it is finished. What glorious words, and at that point, the Bible says, Jesus breathes his last. He is dead. He's not just sleeping. He's not just fake dead. He's actually dead. He is taken down from the cross where he was killed, this passage in John 19 tells us, and he is placed in a tomb. Now, back then, tombs, they were just kind of big holes in the side of hills, what we would call a cave. And so he's put in this tomb, not his tomb, uh, a tomb, Joseph's tomb, not his dad. I was asked that recently, someone asked that and asked me that. Um, Joseph, a rich guy in the town, gave his own tomb to Jesus. So Jesus' body is put in a tomb inside of a hill, and a massive stone is rolled over it. A massive stone, a massive rock is rolled in front of it, so that no one can open it, no one can access it. So as we're going to dwell on that, Jesus' body, God himself, is in a tomb, he's dead, and no one can get to him. But then we read in John 20 that something extraordinary happens. One of Jesus' close friends, Mary, uh, she goes to visit the tomb of the garden. It says it's in the garden. She has to visit the garden around the tomb. And when she gets there, she sees something extraordinary. She sees that the stone, this massive rock, 
has been removed. And she was probably scared, worried, and confused, and she like sprints back to the disciples. Jesus followed, Jesus' friend. She sprints back to them and says, Oh my goodness, the stone is gone. So they sprint back, like a mob of them now, they sprint back to the tomb, and they walk inside the tomb. They weren't meant to access it. They walk inside, a whole group of them. Maybe they were nervous, confused. Why is the stone gone? They walk inside, and that's when they all realize the tomb is empty. Jesus' body, we know that it was in there on Friday. It's not in there now. Where is the body? It says in this chapter of John um, that the linen and cloth that he was wrapped in, so back then when a body, when someone died, their body was wrapped in cloth so that it wouldn't rot. It would kind of maintain it. They put spices and herbs and all that jazz, you know. Um, so they put that on the body and it's in the tomb and they find, they go in this empty tomb, group of them, the body's not there or the linen is lying there. No one has stolen the body. They would have taken the linen with it. The linen is there, but his body isn't. And then there is a crazy couple of days after this. I can just say, I can't imagine, actually, I'd like to be able to imagine how crazy these couple of days were for the disciples. Jesus appears, he was dead. He appears and he talks to his disciples and his friends. He eats with them, he drinks with them, they touch him. They saw him in the flesh, right there. They saw him. He was really there. Now, the resurrection of Jesus, the resurrection, the fact that Jesus was actually dead and then came back to life, the resurrection of Jesus is so crucial to being a Christian. In fact, without the resurrection, Restore doesn't exist. Richmond Anglican doesn't exist, the church doesn't exist, nothing about this matters. Without the resurrection, none of it matters. Because the resurrection shows us God's power, it proves that Jesus has the authority to forgive our sins, and it shows us that we can be resurrected too if we follow Jesus. So to be a Christian, you have to believe in the resurrection. It's crucial. But it's hard to believe that someone rose from the dead, right? I get that. And the reason is it doesn't happen usually, right? I'm sure a lot of you have relatives that have passed away, and they're not going to come back because they're dead. That's what we have to say. If you're dead, you don't rise again. So I get why this is hard to believe. So what we're going to be doing tonight, over the next 10 minutes or so, I'll try to be quick, I do that each week, I try, um, we're going to be looking at two facts that Christians and non-Christians agree are true about the resurrection. So people that believe in the resurrection, and people that don't even believe in the resurrection, who think it didn't happen, we're going to be looking at two facts that they both agree on. And then what I'm going to try and show you is that the best explanation for these two facts, the thing that actually makes sense, is that Jesus did actually rise from the dead. So the two facts we're looking at, that both Christians 
and non-Christians, people who believed Jesus had risen from death, and people who didn't believe Jesus rose from death. The two facts we're looking at is the first, that the tomb was empty. The tomb that Jesus was put in originally, on the Sunday night, it was empty. And the second fact that we're going to be looking at is that the disciples, Jesus' friends, and many others had actual, real experiences with someone they thought was Jesus. They're the two facts. So firstly, the tomb was empty. Now remember, Jesus was placed in a tomb. It was owned by a wealthy and a well-known man. The Romans, the Christians, and the Jews all would have known where the tomb is. It was in Jerusalem, the capital city. They all knew where the tomb was. So when the claim was made by Mary and his disciples on the Sunday, when it was made that the tomb was empty, if that wasn't true, it would have been really easy to check. Really easy to check. If his body was actually there, still in the tomb, all the Romans and the Jews would have had to have done is to go to the tomb and see that it's still there. And they would have been like, oh, okay, you guys are lying, the, tomb, the body is still there, right? But they went and the body wasn't there. And we know that because of this. We know that the Jews at the time, remember the Jews are the ones who killed Jesus, they bring, the Jewish leaders bring Jesus to Pilate and say, kill this man. <laughs> They did not like Jesus. They did not like Jesus' followers. They wanted to get rid of them, these Jews. And these Jews, they actually admitted that the tomb was empty. The enemies of Jesus admitted that the tomb was empty. And we know that because we have records, early records, um, stating that the Jews at the time tried to make up explanations as to why the tomb was empty. They said, um, we have early manuscripts where it says that the Jews in Jerusalem were saying that the disciples stole the body. So that tells us that even the Jews, even Jesus' enemies, they knew that the tomb was empty and they had to try and explain it another way. And the second thing is, that in this account, remember, who discovered that the tomb was empty first? Who was that first person that went up there? What was her name? Mary. Mary. Now, what is most significant about Mary? Anyone yell it out? She is a woman. Okay. Now, why is that significant? Why is it significant that a woman was the first one to discover the tomb? Now, that is significant because at this time in Rome, in Jerusalem, in Judea, the testimony of a woman, so what a woman says, it was not allowed to be trusted in any official setting. In courts or in any hearing, any government or anything like that, the testimony of a woman wouldn't count. Now, a bit sexist, I know, um, but that's what happened back then, right? And so if the disciples were making up this story, if all of, Jesus, sorry, uh, all of Jesus' disciples were making up this story that the tomb was empty, they would make sure that the tomb in their story was discovered by a man. So that when a man went to court, or when a man went to any official setting like that, 
he is a testimony what he says could be trusted. It doesn't make sense for them to make up a story where a woman finds the body, finds the empty tomb. It doesn't make sense. The tomb was empty. We know that Jesus' followers knew that, and we know that Jesus' enemies knew that. And there's no better explanation for this other than that Jesus was not actually there because he had actually risen. Now, that's because no one has a motive or a motivation. No one would have wanted to move the body. Now, firstly, the Jews and the Romans, they wouldn't want to move the body. Why? Because they want everyone to think that Jesus is dead. It's in their interest to make sure that the tomb is closed and that Jesus' body is in the tomb. That's what they would have wanted. And it also doesn't make sense for the disciples to move the body. And that's because they were beaten and they were killed because they claimed that the tomb was empty. If you know that doing something, making up a story would kill you, you wouldn't do it. You'd keep quiet. You wouldn't make up the story. It'd be silly. They didn't have a motive. Now, a second fact, that was the first fact, the tomb was empty. The second fact is that Jesus' friends, his disciples and his family had actual experiences with someone they thought was Jesus. Jesus did not appear to one, he didn't appear to two. He appeared to heaps of his friends and disciples. And we have eyewitness accounts, so that means the people that actually saw Jesus, claimed to have been with Jesus, we have those eyewitness accounts written down very early on, which is, if you ever study history, that's crazy that we have that. It's not just voices or visions. Know that we know, we know that the disciples claimed to have touched, to have chatted to, to have eaten, to have drinking, drunk, sorry, with Jesus. Now there are only three explanations for this, I think. Three explanations. The first is that they made it up, right? They're like, you know what, we'll just make it, we'll just tell everyone that we saw Jesus even though we didn't. So first is that they made it up, it's a lie. The second is that they actually thought they were with Jesus, but they weren't, actually. It was maybe a hallucination or a dream. And the third explanation is that Jesus actually was there. The first one, it was a lie. Now, I don't think that makes sense. Why would the disciples lie about seeing Jesus risen when it brought them so much pain and agony? In fact, 10 of the disciples, 10, 10 of the disciples who claimed that they saw Jesus and were with Jesus after he had risen, they were killed for this belief. They died a horrible death. Some of them were stoned to death. Some of them had their heads chopped off. Some of them were crucified upside down. They died horrible deaths because they were convinced that Jesus rose from the dead. It doesn't make sense that they would maintain that if they knew it wasn't true. Why would they? All ten of them. It also doesn't make sense that it was a hallucination, it was a dream. Firstly, because a hallucination is never as um, multifaceted and 3D as we have the accounts. 
It doesn't explain all the physical interactions. It says they touched him, they ate with him together, they drank with him. Now secondly, even more importantly, when you have a dream or a hallucination, it's an individual thing. It's not a group thing. So imagine I walk in here, I get up, up here and I say, how good was that dream last night? That was an awesome dream. You know, we went like for a walk, went on a roller coaster, into space. Awesome dream. How good was that? Great. Yeah, right? It doesn't make sense because we all had different dreams. So it doesn't make sense that we have all these different accounts from all these different people saying the same thing about Jesus. It doesn't make sense if it was just a hallucination or a dream. It doesn't work like that. And that only leaves one option, that it, was, that it was actually Jesus, the risen Christ. It is a fact that the disciples and Jesus' friends had experiences with someone they thought was the risen Jesus, and the only good explanation for that is that it was actually him. So we've looked at two facts about Jesus' resurrection. And if you guys recognise these facts and still say that it didn't happen, he didn't rise from the dead, then you have to have some kind of explanation for those facts. They're mysteries that you have to solve. Why was the tomb empty if he didn't rise from the dead? Why did so many people claim to have seen Jesus? Why would the disciples die horrible deaths if they knew it wasn't true. It just doesn't make sense. The best explanation for all of this is that Jesus actually rose from the dead. Now the resurrection, that Jesus God actually rose from the dead, is the most important truth in our world. It impacts our lives so much it proves that Jesus is God, that what he claims about himself is true. Jesus is the only religious leader who has risen from the dead. It proves that God has the power and authority over life and death. But I want um, you guys to remember this, that the resurrection, the fact that Jesus actually did rise from the dead, the most comforting thing about it is that because we know that he did rise from the dead, it gives us genuine, true, real hope for eternal life. We now know that if we trust Jesus, God can and will rise us from the dead too. How good is that? Awesome. Let me pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you had this awesome rescue plan for us. That although we kept failing, we kept disobeying you, that you still sent Jesus to die on the cross. And God, we thank you that that wasn't the end. That on the third, at break of dawn, Jesus rose from the dead. We thank you that we can verify that. And Lord, I pray that that will affect our lives so much, that everyone in this room will understand and know that Jesus actually rose from the dead, 
and they will let that fact influence everything about their life. We pray that we will shape our lives around the resurrection, around the hope, the eternal life that we get in you. Amen.